When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are talking about the big dogs, the midfielders, who are the best value options for your premiums, the guys that are going to start in your team. Let's go. G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And joined again with my co-host, Luke. How are you, man? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Good to be uh, back into it today uh, with the undervalued premium mids. It's going to be an exciting pod, so um, uh, make sure you guys stick around right to the end because we've got uh, a few names to talk about here that you might want to put into your fantasy team. Yeah, this is this is probably the big line. I mean, uh, oh, I mean, maybe outside of the rucks, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, this is the big one. This is, this is the big dogs. This is where a lot of the fantasy points get scored. Yep. Uh, we've obviously already covered our defenders. So if you haven't already, if you're a new listener or a new viewer, go over and check out those videos. We've got a lot of uh, nuggets in there. So um, go and check those ones out if you haven't already. But the midfielders uh, is where a lot of the points get scored. This is where the guys go and potentially score 120, yeah. uh, a.k.a. Rory Laird. Yeah, um, yeah. But in terms of today's podcast, we're focusing on the guys that we think are undervalued, the players that are priced below what we expect them to put out. Yeah. Um, and uh, similar to what we did with the defenders, we're going to go back and forth, throw a few names out there and yep. sort of discuss where we think they could go and uh, if they should be under consideration for your team. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, important to note for today's uh, pod that we're not um, we're not necessarily talking about the, the best players on this line. We're talking about the players that we think are the, uh, yep. present the most value um, to increase their average from from uh, what they were averaged at last year. So before, before we start, though, <coughs> I can't help but notice this this little number at the front here. It's uh, yeah. we, we hasn't, hasn't changed. What's yeah, going on? Still one out of three. So uh, at the minute, it's just the Warn Dog who's uh, who's helped me out on Twitter. Roy and Calvinator are, are yet to come across. So well, surely after this video, the, Roy's got to be on this team. I think Calvin's got to wait for the overpriced video. I mean, <laughs> that seems to be his shtick. He, he likes to play a top dollar. Uh, so maybe Roy, if you're listening to this one, uh, yeah. jump on and. Give give us a follow on Twitter that's um, it. Uh, but maybe we just need a few more people to bump us up so I think that's you guys it. are following us on Twitter it. absolutely yeah we're going to be trying to um, uh, sort of give give some different scoops and different takes on on the news as it drops so yeah. uh, we're trying to be, be as active as, as possible and hopefully a few people get on board as well yeah let's go uh, I'll throw it over to you who have you got first for our underpriced premiums yeah so we'll sort of talk about these two players um, in the same vein because they really are kind of in a similar situation this year um, these two guys are, are two um, uber premiums, uh, but interestingly, still present a little bit of upside, I think. And I think Mitchell will agree with me on this one. But the guys we're talking about are Jack Steele and Took Miller. Yeah. Now, both priced at around that 110 average coming out of last year. But for those people who have been involved in fantasy for the last couple of years will know that both Steele and Miller are capable of going higher than that. Well, these were the million-dollar men last year. They were both they were. priced over 120. So from last season's uh, price tag, they're 10 points cheaper. Um, so Yeah, and, and I think, obviously... You know, they're not they're not aging out. They're both twenty seven, no. middle of their primes. Um, had a couple of reasons that maybe their average fell. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to talk about for Steele. Um, he had a shoulder injury midway through uh, through twenty twenty two, and that kind of impacted him um, being a being a big tackler as well. Shoulder injuries yeah, aren't exactly you need what you're after. Shoulders to tackle. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that. Yeah. Um, and then with the Tookster, he just kind of started the year a little bit slow. He had a couple of games where he was low on his tackles, which I was think, unusual I think for there him. was some some reporting out there that he also had maybe a shoulder thing or, or that maybe just something not as public. Something. He was kind of carrying it through, okay. you know, being the yeah. warrior that he is. Um, yeah, and he worked less confident in reporting that. He's yeah. a warrior for sure. Yeah, so... And... Um, 
I, th- I think that if, if these guys can get back to the highs that they reached in 2021, then that's 10 points of upside, which is just yeah. crazy to think for a guy who already averages 110 that you can be sitting here and, and with reasonable confidence say, hey, this guy could potentially go 10 points better than 110. Yeah. So, um, And, uh, you know, if we, we've been doing some deep diving on, on the social media platforms and whatnot, and I don't know if you've seen, Mitch, but there's a photo of uh, getting oh, around of Jack yeah. Steele with the buzz cut. With the and, buzz cut? Oh, no, I yeah. haven't seen this one. I thought well, you'd gone the other player. No, no, no. So, oh, I took and he's, yeah, he's big rig. But yeah. um, no, Steele's getting around with the buzz cut. And for me, that can only mean one thing. If you get the buzz cut, you're not worried about the feelers or oh, the Instagram. Okay. You're okay. worried about one thing and that's footy. You, you're so, signing the pill. All right. Yeah, he's a beast. If you if you get the buzz cut, you're just looking for, you're a comfort first operator <laughs> on the field. You're not worried about the girls or the Instagram. So well, that's what we like to see. We're, he's we're, gone big. We're, we're footy, we're AFL fans. Fantasy first, heard and, it here first, and then so. uh, okay, buzz cut <laughs> equals points. Talk to us about the took photo. Um, so the took, oh, he's he's uh, he's he's got a rig on him, doesn't he's an he? He's, that bloke. he's um he's probably he's been talked as the hardest working player in the AFL yeah, for um, good reason, I reckon. And he's uh, he's exploded onto the scene last year, obviously, also two years ago, he exploded onto the scene as the number one ranked fantasy player. Last year had a down year at 110 points, <laughs> um, which is crazy to say. But yeah. if if we refer back to sort of my our original episode and my philosophies here, this is where the two um, points can collide where I say that you've got to have value in every position, every yep. play you picked, but you still want to have those three to four captain options. These are the kind of guys that can give you both of those things yep, because um, Took Miller, Jack Steele are a captain option every single week. They are, uh, like you said, uber premium mids. Both players after the bye took uh, average 113 after the bye and uh, Jack Steele averaged 115 after the bye, both after their quiet patches at the start yeah. of the season with and a that's with the 65 in there for Steele Injury well, question so. marks. Yeah, so that 65, he was tagged yep. uh, against Brisbane. The only time I think uh, he's been tagged in the last couple of seasons um, by the uh, the barometer himself, I think, uh, oh, I think ran gracious. to him. Lowered his colours if it was the barometer. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess that's... The only things that I'll have question marks on, uh, number one, there's a, there's a couple of things with, with both these players. For Steele, it's the new coach, number yep. one. I don't know if that affects him too much. I think Ross, I don't know if Ross it is going to have either. a man crush on him. I, yeah, I yeah. I, I, I'm, it's, it's enough for me to go, okay, there's something different Just here. You know, it's, you're at the very pointy end. A little bit of a change can make a difference. The other yep. thing is, does he get more attention as a tag target? Because typically one of the things that we've liked about Steele is that he gets a lot of his points from tackles, yep. uh, from marks. He's very he's one of those guys that, like you said, does across the, the scoreboard. And he's never really been a good enough user of the ball to really grab the attention of the opposing taggers. Yep. Usually it goes to someone like a Sinclair, especially last year, or, or, or someone else, maybe a Brad Hill in seasons past. Um but do we think, do we see him getting tagged more often in 2023 or, or do you think that some of those other guys will still maybe grab more of the attention? Yeah, I think particularly Sinclair is the name that comes to mind when I think tag for St Kilda. Like what Sinclair was doing this year was was just carving um, yeah. teams up across half Much more penetrating and kick. Yeah, and it's just the way he gets his his points. He gets them through mark kicks. It's uh, Like you said, he's a penetrating kick, whereas I think teams, uh, when they're weighing up, you know, Steele versus Sinclair for a tag, I think um, they're... How much can you fair. actually limit steel? Like, how much value is that tag actually going to give you? Yeah, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. Um, obviously, Brisbane tried it and it seemed reasonably successful. Um, I think they but, won that game, yeah. But yeah, but then I, again, it is Saints and Brisbane, so yeah, I don't see that as being a huge flag. Yeah, okay. I, I, I tend to err on that side as well. It is yeah. just interesting to sort of note that. But even with that tagged game, like we said, 115 yeah. average. Uh, yeah. And and I guess the... I have less question marks with, with Tuke. There's less changes this year. The yeah. only other thing that we could maybe flag is that the rise of Noah Anderson, the rise of Matt Rowe. Do they yeah. take a bit more ball off him? We're going to talk about... Um well, we're going to talk about Noah Anderson later, definitely. Um, but those guys, I was having a look this morning, those guys, Matt Rail and Anderson, they're already playing 80, 70, 80% CBAs. So they're in there a lot. Yeah, it's. I don't think there's a huge change coming next year where suddenly Took's left without without the pill. Um, yep. They're already in the CBAs and it hasn't been an issue. So I think these guys are these guys are just guns and they're guns for a reason. Who are you picking? Of those two? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, could you have both? Ooh. And second of all, uh, of if you had to pick one, who would you go at this stage? Uh, um, oh, I'm 
probably picking Took at this stage if I had to have one, and I don't think I'm going to go two. I think it just choose too much cash. I, I agree. And I there's think, other better yeah. value options in the mid after you go for this this Uber premium. Probably Took just because there's less un- less unknowns, but I'll be um, watching still closely with with Ross um, throughout the preseason as well. The the thing about Took is he has that uh, round thirteen buy. Yeah, okay. So he shares that. shares that with Geelong. So it was the the two teams on that buy round. Yes, so yes, 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 yes. So early thinkings for me is still I think is to favour that as a tiebreaker. Yeah. But I still probably have Steele going maybe a little bit ahead of him. So whether or not that's enough, yeah, I've yeah. got him maybe one or two points ahead of yeah. ahead of Tuke just These, because. Yeah, these guys know. are freaks. Like Jack Jack Steele, twenty twenty one. His last twelve games, he averaged one thirty three. Yeah, yeah, like it's crazy. Tw- twelve games, you know, that's no walk in the park. Twelve <laughs> games, half a season. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, these guys are freaks, and uh, we expect them to be freaks once again in twenty twenty three. All right, let's move on to the next guy. I'm going to group some more players here. Um, I want to I want to talk about the Bulldogs. Doggies. The doggies. Um, I'm going to start with. Well, I've actually got three players here that I think okay. are all value and all underprice. Um, McRae yep. is obviously probably the most talked about name of the three, but I also want to talk about Bailey Smith and Marcus Bontempelli. I think all players are underpriced, okay. and I think all three are genuine starting options. I actually want to highlight the player that I'm most excited about, and I think on an early stage. This is my pick for the Andrew Brayshaw of 2023. I think Bailey Smith is a genuine starting option for all teams. Um, Good-looking rooster, too. Good-looking rooster. Uh, we know that obviously counts for something. Um, and uh, he's the thing I want to highlight here is he's 22 years old. Yep. Okay, So he's he's still up and coming, crazy, still yeah. getting better. Crazy to think it feels like too. he's been around for a long time. Yeah, he was yeah. part of that super draft with Sam Walsh, I think, was, was that year or maybe the year before. I can't quite remember, but... He is, um, he's proven it already with super high ceiling. Yep. The start of last year, he averaged 118 in the first 10 games before injury in round 11. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then he was also suspended with the, obviously the, uh, you know, the white powder and all that sort of stuff. He needs but, to lay off the booger sugar and stop headbutting blokes. And <laughs> yeah, so, all, all fantasy coaches would be So there's happy. a few things here that sort of taint our view and perception of, of Bailey Smith. And yeah. Whatever you think of the bloke as a person, but as an AFL <laughs> fantasy option, he's a genuine gun. Yeah. Before the suspension, before the injury, he was playing 92% time on ground. Yeah. After the suspension, he was playing 84% time on ground. So, what is he? Is he a 90 plus percent guy time on ground? His rig would suggest that he is. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> from what you've told me in terms of uh, his training regiment, he seems like a guy who goes out there and trains the house down. Yeah. Um, I, I think that with Josh Dunkley leaving, obviously is why all these Bulldogs are relevant, yeah. that you know, he That's averaged, what I was going to ask. What do you think the influence of Dunkley leaving is on Smith? Well, it's the CBAs. So he was uh, last year, I think, behind Marcus Bontepelli, yeah. behind Jack McRae at 54% That's CBAs. Crazy, yeah. He just missed. I think he, there was a stat that in the last game of the season caused him to not get forward status. Oh. Um, so he was like half a percent off getting forward oh, status no. and he would have been locked in our sides. Yeah, but sure. as a midfielder, if he can take that 54%, Josh Dunkley was in there for 50%. If he can go to 60 60, 65%. Yeah. I'm thinking we're looking at a genuine top eight mid here. He has the potential. Uh, uh, this is going to be a very bold statement, but he has the potential to be the number one player in AFL fantasy this year. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'd be shocked if that was the case, Mitch. Um, and it'd be a great call from you. It's He's a good guy to watch as well. Um, and I know... You know that might sound un- underrated, but you want to pick guys that you enjoy watching, and he just hunts the football. He hey, when you watch goes him play, so hard. You, you never, yeah, you never think, uh, oh man, he's out there just coasting, um, which is sometimes the opposite of Jack McRae. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, he's always out there hunting the footy, and that's what we want. Hey, so so talk to me about the, the other two as well. So I'm yeah. I right now. Bailey Smith is my favourite pick of the Bulldogs yeah. because I think he has the highest ceiling. I think he's the youngest of the three, um, and I think also he might not. This is really swaying my decision, but when I think about players who uh, could really explode, I think he has the highest upside. Jack yeah. McRae is probably the most selected player right now of these three because of history. Right? Yeah, uh, people tend to look at that, don't they? They tend to look yeah. back and, and find a bit of comfort. I think in history. Yeah, but I think there is something to be said for Jack McRae. So he's in twenty twenty two. In 2020, sorry, um, he had a, a Corona Ball 89, um, which, when adjusted, I believe is pretty good, Mitch. I think were, it was 100 and, yeah, yeah. 115 or something and like then that. 2021, 116 he went at. Yep. Both those years, he was in the mid to high 70s for CBAs. 
last year, CBAs dropped to 64%. Yeah. And there's a lot of commentary out there about um, Jack McRae, poor, poor bugger. Um, if he's not in the in the centre bounces. He's, he's on a wing. He yeah, drops the, his head. The head's yeah. on a tilt. He's having a sook. There might be a little bit to that. But hopefully with Dunkley moving to the lines next year, that 64% CBAs goes back. Back up to the high seventies, and I think if he's a he's a high seventies eighties CBA guy, then you can't see him averaging much less than one ten, one fifteen. Yeah, I think I think history is definitely something to do with this here. But I I, I do want to also point out he was the highest CBA midfielder of the Bulldogs last year, so yeah, he was they already do share up there. Time, don't they? My question is, how much upside is there for a player like McRae versus someone like a Bont and a? Uh, Bailey Smith. He's also the oldest of the three. Yep. Now, he's not old by any stretch. He's 27. Yeah. But he kind of, in my eyes, he kind of is what he is. And, yeah. And if you're the Bulldogs, like if we if we remove our fantasy hats for a, from, from a second here, yep. if you're the Bulldogs, who do you want the ball in the hands of more? Do you want it in the hands of Bont, Smith, or McRae? Like, I know they're all yeah. good users. They're, but- dif- they're different types of players too. So, so, like you said, we've removed our fantasy hats. So, McRae is an elite footballer. But he's he's an elite footballer in a different way to Bont and Smith. So what Bont and Smith do is the stuff that we love watching footy for. They run, they break the break lines, lines, they kick goals, yes. those kind of things. But don't sleep on what McRae does in the stoppages. That, oh, yeah. that guy's got um, lightning hands. Um, you know, He's up there in the cat. Maybe not with Clayton Oliver. He's a freak. But he's up there in that category of folks who are clean below yeah. their knees. They dish it out to those runners. So he, he plays a different role. But I do agree with you in the sense of the way the AFL's going, guys like Bailey Smith are going to be prioritised over guys like Jack McRae. So for the fact that they're within what? They're within like five grand of each other, aren't they? Or they're, they're, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're all very close. I'll, I'll bring it up here yeah. now we actually have the game open. Um, but I think, so Bailey Smith is actually the most expensive. He's 935. Uh, McRae is 19,000 cheaper okay. at 916. And okay. Bonds is the cheapest at 891,000. So, so I'm probably still picking Smith for that breakout potential. But if you were to pick McRae, I don't think it's the worst move in the world. I, I think... I mean, is there a room that you could have both? Uh, I think that's a genuine option. Maybe, you know, yeah. we we're talking about Took Miller and Jack Steele. Probably have to pick one out of the two if you're going that way. I think there is a world that you could have maybe a Bailey Smith at M1 and McRae M2. Yeah, maybe if you didn't um, pick Took or Steele. Yeah, I think, I think that's a genuine option. The, uh, the other question, again, here is um, if you're the opposing team, who are you tagging first as well is the other. Because they've also got players like Libba in there. Um, yeah, who sometimes, well, sometimes he is get he's getting tagged as sort of that first guy to the ball. I don't see that. Hey, when you've got if you've got Bont and Pelly around, I don't know why you're tagging Libba. So you think Bont's the first guy they go to? I, I think so, but then perhaps the fact that Bont can go forward and kill you as well maybe negates that tag a little bit. Um, maybe teams see that and think oh, we won't tag Bont because he can go forward and kill us. Um, yeah. There's a lot to talk about here with the Bulldogs, and I think we can make a podcast for 30 minutes because <laughs> probably could. because you mentioned Bont going forward as well. The recruitment of Lob does that, um, you know, if he's going to spend more time playing forward, does that mean that they have less need for Bont to be up in the forward line as a taller target? You know, now you've got Lob, you've got um, Norton up there, you, you've got a few targets now. Um, Some, see, sometimes having those taller targets actually means you might be more influential to push that big midfielder forward. Like, imagine you're Bontempelli. He's, what, he's tall, tall as he'd be like 6'3", 6'4". Yeah, six, I, think, I think he'd be up there. So, suddenly, you've got Lobb taking a big defender. You've got Norton taking a big defender. And so, then you, you've got that, Bont there and you've got a smaller guy on him. Exactly. That, okay. that means Bont goes down and suddenly Bont doesn't get the best defender and just right. like te- tears him to shreds. So, yeah, this, like you said, there's so much to talk about. And I think um, if, if we don't stop, we, we might be here all day talking about the dogs. I've got one more question for you, okay. just from a okay. footy point of view. Yeah. Dunkley's out now, right? Yeah. So Dunkley's in Brisbane. Last year, they had a, a main core group of about six players going in the midfield. It was Dunkley, it was McRae, it was Libba, it was Bont, it was Trelaw at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, with Dunkley gone, do you see the same group going through there? Is it just going to be McRae, Bont, Bailey Smith, uh, Libba as the four guys going through there? Or are we adding another player into the mix there that sort of... Uh keeps the same uh, number of players going through the midfield? Does Trelaw come back into the midfield or do they keep his role off halfback? How do you see that playing out? Because Yeah, everything's a bit of a everything's a bit of a guess when it comes to Bevo. Um, <laughs> That's as well. true. He, he yeah. does as he pleases week to week. But I think there, there's a few guys that we might see appear in there. Like I think um, most people are tipping that maybe Toby McLean sees this like a little bit of time. I in see there. him filling a bit more of that wing role left by Lockie okay. Hunter. I don't know okay. if I see him as an inside mid personally. Yeah, okay. uh, but it, again... It, it, like you said, it's we'll Bevo. See with Bevo. 
gets Bevo. So. Yeah, he has seemed to persist with that kind of system of throwing quite a few guys um, through there. But other teams have shown that you can sort of lock in like four main guys to go through your CBAs, and that mm. can be a really successful model as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they've done over the offseason and how they're going to tackle that. Um, but I think regardless, I mean, even if they do send lots of blokes through there, these guys have shown they can score big. Um, my my gut feel here, just just to give my two cents, my gut feel is the reason that they went so, like they had five or six guys go through the midfield last year is because they had five or six guns. Like they <laughs> yeah, they legitimately gonna, had yeah. a lot of options to go through That's there. True. I think that as much shit as we give Bevo as a guy who moves <laughs> the magnets around, he he isn't an idiot. Like he 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 likes to experiment and try different things. But I think it's very clear that the guys that are penetrating and influential in this team are those core four. Maybe Trelaw does go back in there if he's, if he's fit and healthy. Yeah. He's like the X factor for me, but I don't really see just some schmuck coming in there coming because in just, for the, sake just for the sake of doing That's the same true. things you That's did last true. year because like I don't I don't see why you would push a Bailey Smith, a, uh, sorry, a uh, uh, Bonson Pelly, a McRae or a Libba out of there because they're all really good at what they do. Mm. It just doesn't make any sense to me and I think that as much shit as we give Bevo, I don't see him just doing that for the sake of doing it. So I think for all of these guys, that's why I have them all as undervalued because I think for all of them, that 50% that Dunkley was in there, um, maybe Trelaw stays out of the midfield like he did in the back half of last year. I think that elevates them all very high. And yeah. uh, we've seen in seasons past, like uh, last uh, 2021, Bontempelli was in there at 73% and he averaged 108 that year. Yeah. You know, so there's already eight points of upside. He averaged 108 the second half of the season with higher CBAs, you know. Um, Jack McRae, 77% last year. He was averaging, obviously, much better, 116. So that's the upside again. It's 11% higher than last year, but it's enough that you're just going to get those tackles. You're going to get those first little handballs yeah. that you would if you were starting from the forward line yeah. or starting from the wing. So I think it elevates all of them. If I was to pick one of them, to me, it's Bailey Smith because of the breakout potential because I've already seen it for a stretch of 10 games. Yeah. Um, the high time on ground percentage, I think, is an X factor that not a lot of players can, can do. Does it worry you that when he came back, he, he went 109, 107, 65, 110, 95, 74? Like, there's nothing really... Yeah, the, the thing I would that. I would point out to there is his time on ground. The yeah, difference okay. at the first half of the season, like I said, was 92%. First half, when he came back, it was 84%. So... Yeah. You know, there's like a, there's enough, like if you calculate that data, I think on the pace that he was going at, I think I had a a little stat here. If he averaged the same pace that he was doing um, the first half of the year with the same time on ground as the second half of the year, you get 113. If you, if you add, if you do the same pace at what he was doing the second half of the year, add time on ground to that. Yeah he goes at 113. So either he increases his time on ground or he increases his points per minute. And either way, he's, he's sort of a yeah. 110, 112 plus guy. No and either. I think and I think either one of those options are, are quite likely in my opinion. Yeah. With, the, with a full preseason coming back in the season, it's tough to come back after injury and suspension. There was a lot going on with him. There was, yeah. You mentioned full preseason. There was a little article um, out the other day just mentioning that there might have been a bit lo- bit of load management with Smith as well. We talked so, about... He's on, yeah, the he's, wording, I think, was important there because it, it he's on an individualized training program. Yeah, um, so his, his um, thing, and it's pretty well reported, is that he's just a freak trainer. He just yeah. intense everything he does. He does 110%. Um, you know, he's doing extras on the training track. So the the vibe I got from the article that I read is more that they're just kind of protecting him from himself That's rather, right. rather yeah. than... Um, the, there's there's like no... I, don't, I, couldn't, I couldn't find an actual injury that, that a, a he's hip, nursing or A hip or was, was mentioned, okay. like a little bit of a sore hip, but I didn't get the vibe from the article that it was like red flag territory. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was more just, yeah, just protecting him from himself. So keep an eye. Keep an eye. Maybe they're uh, making sure that he's also pretty clean from the, uh, the, the booger <laughs> just, sugar as well. Yeah, yeah, just keeping an eye. Re- regular uh, regular uh, samples <laughs> might be collected at the moment. Uh, all right, let's move on. We've got enough Bulldog talks, but let us know, guys. Are you? I'm sure a lot of people are selecting Bulldogs in their yeah. AFL fantasy team right now. Uh, who do you think? Do, are you on the McRae wagon? Do you, uh, Maybe I can entice you with Belly Smith. I'm sure I'm going to talk about him a bit more because I'm pretty hot on him this year. Yeah. And uh, early call for me is he's the Andrew Brasher of 2023. But yeah, uh, let me know what you guys think 
think for the Bulldogs. Let's uh, move on. Now, Who have you got next? The next fella I've got, I think you're um you might be reasonably high on as well. Uh, Josh Kelly. Yes, is I'm is a big Josh Kelly guy. fan. Yeah, and you as were a last footballer. you were last year as well. He's just a, he's a silky smooth mover, isn't he? He's good to watch. Um, but obviously the thing that everyone's going to be thinking about this year is the fact that um the GWS midfield is is looking a little more thin than it was last year. So yeah. for those people that don't know. Timmy Taranto and uh, Jacob Hopper, the grasshopper, uh, have moved down to the grasshopper. The yep. Yep. Just come with that then. That was pretty good. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it going. Yeah. yeah. The grasshopper. Let's do it. Um, and uh, so they're down at the Tigers now, which means that there's more CBAs on offer at, at GWS. Um, but, on the other side, you've got a new coach coming in and yes. there's there's a little bit of talk out there about a new system. Adam Kingsley's the new coach. He's coming from Richmond. Um, so people tend to look at that Richmond system and think it's not good for fantasy. So there's yeah. a couple of things at play here. So what um, what do you got to say about Josh Kelly, Mitch? So, well, first of all, Josh Kelly's a gun. Um, he's, <laughs> I'll just good, leave with good that. Good assessment, mate. Very good assessment. And that's it. <laughs> uh, so move on. Uh, but anyway, I started with him last year. Um, he's a guy that... In seasons past, he's been the number one um, AFL fantasy producer. He has, um, in the past, carried the injury-prone label, but yep. I think, in at least in my eyes, he shred that he shred that label with 21 games in both of the last two seasons. Three seasons prior to that was 15, 14, and 14. So, um, in the season of 2019, he led the AFL fantasy in scoring with 116 points. So he yep. has that upside. Um, the thing for me is that his role has been a bit all over the yeah, place in terms been. of the last couple of seasons. He's been bevoed a little bit, and yeah. um, he kind of falls victim of the... He's too good at too many things, if that yeah. makes sense. No, he, um, from a purely footy perspective, he, he's such an elite user of the footy that uh, I think the coaching panel in years gone by have just had this notion, we have to have this guy on the outside. We have to have this guy using the footy. We have to have him in positions where we can find him in open space. But if you watch Josh Kelly play, I think his inside stuff is, is underrated. He's so good he's inside. Actually, he's he an inside is so good. He's, and people, I think... Are, People don't recognise yeah. that because he's slight of frame. Yeah. So they think, yeah. oh, you know, he can't be like a bullocking mid. You don't have to be a big bloke to be good on the inside, and he's probably an example of that. I think if I if I compare the Bulldogs, which we just talked about, and the Giants, I think they kind of fall into that same category of they've got so many good players that they can roll through there yeah. that it's kind of, okay, who can go outside, who can go inside? All right, Tim Taranto... He's he's decent outside, but he's he's probably better in there tackling, yep. getting that first ball. Hopper, purely inside yep. kind of a player. Um, you know, Cornelio maybe a little bit better inside than outside. Can do a little bit of both. Tom Green, purely inside kind of a player. So. Because they've got a lot of inside bulls, I think Josh Kelly, just through necessity, is that guy that sort of has gone out. Yeah. Um, but so when he's, he's in there, when he's in the guts and getting CBAs, yeah. he, he is someone that benefits in terms of his scoring. See, if I just throw... The fact that he's... The fact that in 2022 and 2021, he's averaged sort of around that 102, 103 mark with less than 50% CBAs is pretty good. I don't think yep. you'll find many... like many midfielders in the comp that have less than 50% CBAs but average over 100. So you bump that number up to even like 60, 70%. I'll give you some stats on that right now. Yeah, so, please, please. So in, in uh, games where he averaged over 40% CBAs, yeah. not a high bar, No, uh, 105 average. See, in games over 60% CBAs, 110. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's... It's not like he's a guy that needs to be in there 80% of the time. Like yeah, 60%, you've man. got 110 average there. Priced at... what Did we, did we mention his price? He's priced at uh, uh, 101.6, so 899, just 1K under that 900K mark. So he, he's down near that Bontempelli territory. Um, I guess the question is... Well, well, first of all, what's the coach going to do? Yeah, is, so who's, is he going to get him in the starting, guts? Yeah, who's your starting GWS midfield? If you're if you're Adam Kingsley, who's starting in the guts? Well, I you? think Tom Green's in there. I think yeah. he's the future for them. Clearance, I think you're going to see uh, Cornelio in there. Yeah. I I think Josh Kelly's in there as well as maybe a Perryman is another guy that I see rolling through there. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with a player like Lockie Ash. A player like Callan Ward is another one that you've seen in there at times. Yeah, yeah. But I think, and, and then there's the other young guy, uh, I'm just blanking on the name at the moment. Uh, I think he was their draft pick last year. I'll, uh, I'll maybe look him Check up in that. a second. Yeah, and what do you, like, I think Lockie Whitfield is probably more in that, like, half back wing mold. I think He's outside. He's yeah, not really in there. Yeah, that's it. And I think if you kind of, 
you're kind of Adam Kingsley and you're thinking, okay, who are we going to get mid-time into? It's got to be Josh Kelly. Like, open your eyes, to be honest. Like, yeah. the guy's a gun he's and a he's gun. a gun inside, outside. And even if you play him at CBAs, that doesn't mean he's not going to go and win outside ball. Mm. He's a freak runner as well. He, he can do I think both. He was like, yeah. I think he was third in their time trial yeah. the other day. Um, yeah, for me, that's just a no-brainer. You're, like, you put your best players around the ball to start, and he's one of their best players. So he's, he's he was 47% last year at CBAs. If that bumps up to 60%, oh. which I don't see a reason why it shouldn't, Yeah, he has a legitimate chance of going 110+. plus. Mate, if the, um, the elite midfielders go at like 80% CBAs, if he went at 80% CBAs, he'd be going 120+. plus. Yeah. I guess then the other question is game style. Now, if he's going yeah. one ten plus with sixty percent CBAs in last year's game style, does he does he do that again in this this game style? Yeah, I think it's enough of a question mark for me to sort of pause for a second, and yeah. maybe there's, there's other better options with a bit more certainty. But it it doesn't rule it out completely for me. So I think that there's at least five or six points upside with the potential for there being ten plus points of yeah. upside. So I think everything. I mean, every podcast we've done so far, I think we've we've said like watch the coaching well, space. I mean, yeah, which I mean, it's it's early days. At, but at this time of year, it's about it's about opening up your books yeah. and, and having names on your list. I don't think it's the time of year where you're crossing people off just yet. It's no. about going, okay, these are the guys that have the potential. Yeah. When the preseason games start coming and we get a bit more info from the uh, training camps, that's when we start to go, okay, who am I really honing in on? Yeah. Um, but right now, Josh Kelly is very much in the mix to start yeah. in my team. Um, I know he started in my team last year and it didn't work out. But in saying that, what did he average? If he One, averaged... No. 101. And last year, he came in at a price tag at 104. So, okay, you lose four points. Yeah. It's not the best pick, but it's not disaster either. Like, I don't see a world really where he, he's at. He's priced at 101.5. Is he going he's under going 100? Than that. No. Like, no. I think he's going to be, at, at worst, he's going to be just a, an average pick yeah. with the potential of being a great pick. So, that's why I think he's a really good player. I agree with everything you've said there, Mitch. Now, the do you want to... Talk the next person on your list. I think yeah, I, I yeah. might have tried let's, to jump um, the gun there. Let's let's your go turn. on to the next guy here. Yep. I'm I'm actually not sure if you have the, if you okay. will have this guy on yep. your list. Um, and I'm surprised he's on my list because I think I talked to him about it as a player that I didn't like in a previous podcast. But Darcy Parrish is the next guy. He's, on he's my next list. guy on my list. But okay. I, I got uh, I got burnt by him last year. I think. You did. So yeah, tell look, tell us about yeah. your Darcy Parrish experience. So last looking year. looking back at the scoring, so he he went 131, 87, 146, 119, and I was sitting there on a Friday night and I was thinking oh that's juicy like that's that's the stuff I it's need a in good my team. run and so I had I had the trade option there where it was either bring in Parrish or bring in Merritt at the same time I'll set the scene up as well <laughs> round 13 coming off his buy so perfect time to trade in a round yeah. 12 buy player oh and and like I was I was high on my team at that point yeah, I, you were, yeah this, God this I was feeding were, Mitch that's too. right <laughs> I was telling him how easy this fantasy stuff is and uh, enter Darcy Parrish so um, he's come off that 119 I traded him in I think he got a a corked calf in the first quarter. He got 30 and then missed, missed the next two weeks. And uh, I don't know if I've actually ever really forgiven him. But <laughs> I, I must have forgiven him enough to at least put him on this undervalued list. Because I think he... Well, to me, Luke, first of all, congratulations. Because okay. that shows growth. <laughs> I think, <laughs> Thank I think you, that's, mate. A, that's a very important thing with fantasy. Feels like an AA meeting. <laughs> it's a very important thing with fantasy. I think we, we talk about never again lists and all that sort of stuff. If there was I anyone think... from last year's team, oh, he and Proust, that they were the two Proust, that had okay. the opportunity to make the never again list but like let's talk about this guy um, seriously here he probably like fits the, the perfect mold for what you would say is like an undervalued premium so yeah. you, you want you probably want a premium who you know can average a good score who's coming off like a and maybe an injury affected he's got an injury score. affected score exactly. in his price tag so for those people who are sort of not aware he had that 30 and that 30 is then baked into his average which means yep. that his price lower than what we all expect him to go at yep. um, and uh, this is a guy just let, let's keep in mind in 2021, this is a guy that over a 10-game stretch averaged 127. Yeah. Yeah, and he like, went And big. again, 10 games is not... That's not a small sample size. That's no. almost half a season, 127 points. So for him to be uh, priced at 100, is it, Mitch? 100 point, Yeah, 100, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, for him to be priced at 100, like... There's some juicy, juicy upside there, hey. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Now, I've highlighted Darcy Parrish as a player that I, I don't necessarily gravitate towards because I don't like the way he goes about it in terms of he, he's not a defensive-minded midfielder. He's yeah. not a guy that you reckon gets... he's a bit of a goal? Yeah, well, the whole Essendon team got picked apart <laughs> last year, really, uh, yeah. for being uh, a bit too offensive-minded, trying to get the peel, not wanting to lay the tackles, not running back defensively. Uh, they run hard when they're looking for the peel, but in terms of running... <laughs> 
fighting hard to, to get back on defense. Yeah. And, and I think that that shows sometimes in players' fantasy scores. Like, you look at a player like a Clayton Oliver, you look at a player like a Jack Steele, uh, Andrew Brayshaw. These guys are all two way. Rory freaking Laird, for God's sakes. Oh, man. Um, you know, yeah. when, when you have 20 tackles in a game, it helps you score, right? Yeah. So, Parrish is a guy that traditionally relies on high disposals to get his his scores but when he does tackle that's when his ceiling scores come out I'm looking last year his highest games uh, had 131 7 yeah. tackles 146 8 tackles yeah. um, those are the games where so it's he the can difference really between him going yeah 115 yeah, and 130 is that's, that's when he really pops right yeah. um, to throw some more stats out there before his injury he was averaging 108.5 yep. after his injury he came back in round 16 did you include two games. the 30 game in that average or did no you I didn't take? include okay. the 30 so okay. the 30 and onwards he, yep. he obviously fell away but yep. obviously the 30 it's it's not reflective of his scores no, exactly. um, after that missed two games came back missed another three games after that so he obviously yep. wasn't right coming back in that round 16 matchup yep um, scored an 84 that game. So, outside of his injury-affected scores, his his yeah. floor is really... He's only had a couple you, of 80s in there, and yeah. the rest are all tons. You can definitely go there, hey. Uh, like, I wouldn't be... If, if someone said, hey, I want to pick Darcy Parrish, I wouldn't be trying to talk him out of it. I, I'm not personally going to pick Darcy Parrish, but that's... Maybe less so for... Is that for, emotional or is that... I think it's a little emotional. Um, but it's also, yeah. remember the first podcast, my, one of my rules was I want to pick players that yeah. I want to, want to watch. The other thing so, is, we've just talked about yeah. a few other players. At, like, you go down the price list, there are three players in a row. Josh Kelly, Marcus Bontempelli, Darcy Parrish, all within basically... Uh, $10,000 of each other. Yeah. And I think all three of them have a really good potential to go 10 plus points of upside. Yeah. Um, I so think, I think how Parrish many of those players has, can you have? I think Parrish has more potential upside than someone like Bont. He's the youngest of just, the three. Yeah, just in my opinion. But um, again, I just don't know if I can get behind behind watching him. So it might be a bit more of an emotional decision. Um, but uh, but I think there's definitely value there. Obviously, another another X factor for the, for the Bombers is new coach. Um, yeah, how and, that and the thing with Darcy Parrish, he I don't really see the CBA upside. He was already at seventy six percent average last season, highest in the team. Yeah, um, so he's already in there a lot. I don't think there's necessarily a role change coming for him. Yeah, we we'll just um, have to be an injury free season. Yeah, so and, and there's a few guys that maybe could come into that midfield a bit more uh, this season. Ben Hobbs is a young player. Some people have talked up uh, players uh, like a Archie Perkins might be going in there a little bit more. Um, you know, what's happening with Andrew McGrath. There's a few different X factors in there that I think maybe put the hesitation on on there for me, but he's definitely a watch. I haven't ruled him off my team just yet, okay. but uh, yeah, I think he... All power to you, mate. I hope, I hope you pick him and he's as good for you as he was for me. <laughs> hey, I don't know if I should take that compliment. All right, who have you got next for us here, Okay, uh, now I'm, I'm going to breeze sort of over this guy pretty quickly and I don't think Mitchell have him on the list, but if you're talking about undervalued players... I think he's technically undervalued, but I, I just don't see him. I don't see him necessarily reaching the the heights he did in twenty twenty one. So the guy I'm talking about is Ollie Wines. I don't think he's going to be he's someone. Not on my list. Yeah, he's not on your list. So technically, he's undervalued. So he's priced at ninety eight, and in his brown, I think it was his Brownlow year in twenty twenty one, he averaged one twelve, and he was just in beast mode. So he had an injury affected score last year in there that was thirty six. I think he was subbed out with nausea. That's um, right, the nausea game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Um, yep. I remember, yeah, poking a bit of fun at that. Um, so there's an injury affected score in there. Nausea at his team sucking. But- is what- <laughs> I can't remember who they played. We were giving it out. Oh, like, were, were we in Melbourne that weekend? I think... Oh, or no, I can't remember. We were was, somewhere at an I'll airport. have to look it up now. I think it was against West Coast or something oh, yeah. like I'll, that. It was, bad, it was more, a bad um, loss. I'll give him some more um, stats while you're looking that up. But... Yep. Um, the reason he's undervalued, but the reason you're not going anywhere near him, I don't think, is he's had two knee surgeries in the last 12 months. He's had a slow start to this preseason. He hasn't been training with the main group for the skill session. So while there technically is an element of undervalued there, because we know what he can do at his best, uh, it's just not one that you're going near. And especially with some of the other Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide, sorry guys, that we'll talk about in coming podcasts. You've got like Rosie, Butters, um, all these guys who yeah, are going to be running up. through the midfield. I think Ollie Wines um, is kind of, I think he's seen his best footy. But technically, I guess undervalued if you look at it from that perspective. From a historical point of view, he's obviously put up the ceiling um, uh, before. So I think that... Uh, he's capable of going all right. Like his last three games, 113, 123, 125, which would you know make him a, a proper premium mid. But I just don't see it being sustained for a whole season. So... I reckon we move on to 
Tommy Mitchell. Yeah, so Tommy Mitchell, he's uh, obviously a big talking point here huge, in the midfield. Huge. And uh, I think early in the preseason, um, we sort of hinted on, uh, I don't know, did we say hot take? Was was the word hot take used? Yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think that's what we used. Well, um, first of all, I guess this is where, I think one of my, my things at the start of the season, the, the philosophies that I, I live by is I, I, nothing wrong with a vanilla team, right? And I, I talked about not letting ownership percentage influence me because I suspect that Tom Mitchell is going to be very highly owned in mm. AFL fantasy this that's year. Safe to say. And I think that if I try to reflect on my own rule, sometimes I'll fall into the trap of I want to go against a guy because I know he's going to be popular. <laughs> and I, there's holes that I can pick in his uh, stat set and obviously his fantasy scores, in, especially last year. Well, I'm interested to see what you've got to say because I know one of your other rules is, or one of your other sort of philosophies is don't pick a pod just for the sake of picking a pod. That's so you right. must have some decent reasons for this. Yeah, so, well, uh, well, I'm leaving that in to say is that I think he's obviously undervalued. Yeah. The question is how much is he undervalued? Yeah. And I think when I've dug into the numbers a little bit here, I still think that he's a very legitimate option. I don't know if he's the 100% lock that some people might say that he is. Yeah. I know that um, some very uh, credentialed AFL fantasy analysts such as Selby has got him in their top eight midfielders for yep. fantasy, um, and some other people might do so as well. I don't know if I'll go that far, but I do think that he is obviously someone we should very heavily consider for our starting squad. He's so, priced at 96.4, yeah. 853000 um, So you're saving over two hundred grand from the top player in Rory Lee. Um, see, I don't see a world where he doesn't at least go 105, which is 9 to 10 points of upside. Yeah. I, I'd I'd be really shocked if he doesn't go 105. The other thing that I wanted to float with you, Mitch, as well, was is there a sense of comfort in selecting him? Because you know that so many people will select him, even if it goes tits up, you know you're not going to be hurt massively in the rankings? There is there is a little bit of that. Um, but on the flip side, again, it I guess it depends on how how you want to play it. Do you want to be bold and really shoot for the top and distinguish yourselves? Because if we have a look at some strategies in the past that have worked for the overall ranked winner. So last yep. year, Matty Mottram went against the Gorn and Grundy starting ruck combo. He yep. started the Team English. He started a Braden Pruitt. I think he had Grundy in there, but traded him out very early. Um, and that worked really well for him. So... Um, the, the thing is about Tom Mitchell, though, is he is value. So yeah. even if it doesn't work to the, the heights that maybe some are expecting, I really doubt that he's going to go down from his starting price. So there's a lot of safety in that. And there is obviously a lot of ceiling with the player like Tom Mitchell. He is a guy that could potentially take a season away from you. Yeah, and that's and the so problem. And <laughs> so the safer option is to start with a player like that that has a ceiling. Yeah. Um, but I still think there is some merit to sort of think that maybe he's not... Let's woo up on the on the, the lock talk just yet. Yeah. Um, but I do think at this stage, he is a, he's a reasonable starting option See, with a lot of upside. Yeah, the, the problem with him is the, the only way you get burnt by him is not owning him. Do you, do you know what I mean? So if you own him and he goes big, you're happy. If you yeah. own him and he doesn't really go big, most other people own him, so you really don't get properly burnt. So I can see... Yeah. I can see yeah, let's say let's say everyone else selects him and he averages a hundred. That's probably under what we think he will. Yep. And you don't have him. Maybe the guy that you select at the similar price averages one oh five. So like, what do you really gain out of that? I just, I mean, there's a bit to gain. Like, you know, you, over ten weeks, if you're averaging ten extra points, you know, there's a, you know, there's a hundred yeah. points separating you two on just that one tick alone. This the money you're potentially saving when he goes down in price and you try to trade him out later. It it, it is it is a thing. Um, but I agree with you. The safer play is to start with yeah. the higher own the only some way player you like get that. Properly burnt. Is- yeah, I think it's different to someone like, uh, say, a Rory Laird or you know, that some of those more expensive guys because yeah. you've got a further ways to fall right yeah. and you're putting a lot of money into it whereas Tom Mitchell at value there's there's probably a lot more upside than there is downside yeah. um, the question is just how much upside so digging into the numbers last oh, year obviously stats. he um, 53% CBA attendance um, the other thing is also his time on ground was also down a fair bit if I uh, go over to my stats here I've got it here so yeah. so in 2021 he was up in the between 80 and 90% sort of averaging per game and then time on ground 
ground last year dropped. So probably down 10%. Yeah, 79%. Don't underestimate here. that. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty obvious. You can't touch the football if you're not on the field. So, That's right. <laughs> so um, I think it, it, for people who don't know, it was pretty obvious last year that Sam Mitchell was moving in a different direction with, with Hawthorne and that um, Tom Mitchell, his namesake, was, was kind of on the outer and it seemed as though he was getting pushed out there. So uh, there were plenty of fantasy coaches that weren't happy with that. Um, but... In positive news, he's now been traded to Collingwood, which means that we're hoping he gets more opportunity. Yep. However, on the flip side of that, I know game we talk, plan. it is. We talk about yeah. it. We talk about it a bit. Um, Fly McRae is kind of um, doing great things over at Collingwood, but it is in that same vein of the the Richmond mold, which is not necessarily a huge fantasy scoring mold. So, how do you see that playing for a guy like Tom Mitchell? I will say though, like we talk about game plan and these players, then a lot of players are decreasing in average. Players not averaging well in Richmond. Like I think the stat was that Richmond has. Doesn't have a player in the midfield averaging over 100 since 2017. Since Dusty, yeah. Um, but the thing is, though, in, in a lot of these systems last year, Taylor Adams was a big scorer previously at Collingwood. Lots yep. of injuries. Um, Dion Prestia is a guy that we know very well is very poor at staying on the field, let's say. And, yeah. and it, I would say if he managed to stay on the field, he'd yeah, be he'd someone that could plus. average over 100 plus. Yeah. Um, he's done yeah. it in stretches. So I think that those game styles have the capability to have players in their average big. I think it maybe does take off a little bit of that ceiling. So I'm not expecting Tom Mitchell 127. Um, I'm probably not even expecting Tom Mitchell 115. But... Uh, between 105 110 I think is very possible um, and that's still 10 to 15 points of upside so yeah. I'll, I'll put you on the spot will you select him it's now what is it it's Jan, Jan 15 yeah are you selecting at the moment Mitchell? he's in my he's in my side yeah um, I, 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 I'm tempted to want to go against got it FOMO. I've got a bit of it, I don't know maybe it's the the I don't know, bold kind of prediction in me to think that maybe he'll burn up in flames. I was very against him last year. I was actually so pissed that he injured himself in the preseason because a lot of people were on him. Yeah. He'd mentioned in a couple of interviews he was going to play more forward time in the preseason and people get very enamoured. Obviously, we are good friends over the Traders. Yeah. He's got the, the, got the moniker of the snout and being a pig. Um, so yeah. he kind of gets elevated on name brand. Yep. And uh, I was very keen to go against him. Obviously, injured himself in the preseason. Everyone else jumped off. Um, but this year... I am more interested, obviously. I think that the time on ground will come up. I yeah, think the definitely. center bounces will come up at least a little bit. And that should be enough um, in, we, in, a, in a winning side. Again, yes. he's going from a Hawthorne team, which was poor. Yeah. They weren't the biggest fantasy scorers in the land anyway. So, you know, and he was, yeah. he was their best scorer in there. I think that he can obviously improve enough that he's a good starting selection. Yeah, and Fly McRae has shown um, just in the, the short time he's been at Collingwood that he's all about... Um, He's all about playing players in in a position that they enjoy, that they feel comfortable in. Um, you're not going to trade a guy like Tom Mitchell in and then you know dick him around, so to speak, and have him at half forward, half back. Yep. He, he's going to go in the guts, and I'd be absolutely floored if he played uh, like less than 85% game time. Um, the other thing too is Collingwood's midfield. It's not like the Bulldogs midfield where you think, no. "Geez, it bats deep." Like they've got a few guys that go through there, but yeah. none of them are like. Yeah, this top is not taking. Level. This is not taking away from any of those guys that go through there. But um, someone, so obviously, uh, Pendles has spent a little bit of time in there historically. He's older now. Yeah. Um, you've got Taylor Adams. You mentioned Jack Chris spent a bit of time in there. I'm not that. That'll actually Dugowie. be interesting. Yeah, to go on, yep. on on occasions for a bit of like a. Burst. Well, I think he was actually their leading CBA uh, guy okay. in there last okay. year, but obviously playing that dusty role starts in the mid. Yeah. Forward, so, so what mm. do so what what do you see that kind of balance being like there? Talk us through like the Collingwood midfielders. Do you think that like Jack Crisp now kind of? Well, I think their their main their main three in there are going to be Taylor Adams when he's on the field. Yeah. Okay, and that's obviously we've got a little asterisk there. Yeah. Um, I think that Degali will still be in there a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think Tom Mitchell. Those are going to be their big three, I believe. I think you'll see players like um Crisp in there as well, but you're also going to p- see players like Jamie Elliott sometimes pops his head in there. Yeah. Maybe. Um, Maybe Dacos, Pendlebury I'm expecting to still be in there a little bit, but again, kind of like we saw at the start of last year, playing a little bit behind the ball a bit more. He's yep. Again, he's that older guy. He's 35. Like, you know, he's done well to, to keep it going, but totally. obviously when you get a player like Tom Mitchell, um, it, it helps. There are a few guys. How much does Dacos go in there? I think early reports is he's playing exclusively as a defender yep. at the moment. So I do think that he's going to be top three, if not top two, in terms of centre bounce usage. Um just because of the caliber of an inside player yeah. that he is, he is sort of like, aside from maybe Taylor Adams, he's sort of a, 
sort of a, a peg above everyone else in there in terms of like getting in there uh, with the, the inside ball, that first touch. Um, I think he'll do just fine in a system yeah. that you know really relies on that to get the ball moving forward. So I think there's really for me there's there's zero downside or risk in picking Tom Mitchell. The only there's a lot of only, upside. Yeah, there's a lot of upside, and and your sort of take it at the start is that the only real um, upside you have from not picking him is that perhaps you get a jump on everyone. You, you who get does a slight jump. You, you get yeah, a slight it's jump. It's not but like it's a risky pick in terms of oh, he could go eighty. He could. Yeah. I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, yeah, I, I think my initial thing was I want to go against him. He's po- going to be a popular player, but I think when I look into the numbers, I, I don't know if I can justify it. And if I take myself self back and just think of it logically, I think it's yeah. probably safer to, to go with him. So, yeah, I think he's a good pick at this stage. We'll monitor him over the preseason. He's 29. He, he's, I think he turns 30 <laughs> oh, at some point this season. So, yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't break to, the rule. You'll have to trade him out at some point <laughs> <Maybe>. this season. <laughs> we'll see. But So, I can pick him in my starting squad uh, based on that rule. But, yeah, I think he's, I think he's good to go. Uh, let's move on to the next player. I think uh, we're up to you now. Is, are we up to you? Well, anyway, let's throw, throw me your next guy. Yeah, so I know you want to talk about a couple of kangaroos, um, but before we do that, if you wouldn't mind talking about a Gold Coast son, yeah. Noah Anderson. Okay, he is on a few people's lips early in the preseason, so yeah. what are your thoughts on him? So, He's on my list here. The year's underpriced. I think there's a little bit of value there, and I, I can see uh, a trend that um, kind of warms my heart a little bit. I'll talk about that in a bit. But Noah Anderson um, he obviously played a bit of midfield time last year, quite a bit of midfield time, and he and Matt Rowe, I think they're, they're best mates, I think, is yeah, the, they were the drafted, thing drafted together. Drafted together. Best pals, yeah. and now they're um, enjoying some time in the Gold Coast Suns midfield together as well. So um, in terms of statistics, over the last um, uh, three years, Noah Anderson's CBAs have increased kind of periodically. So I think um, three years ago, it's around that 40%, um, jumps up to sort of around 50%, and then um, another 10% jump last time. So if... If we kind of continue that trend into next year, um, then he'll be up around that elite midfield level, which is sort of between 80 and 90% CBAs, which is what we all want for fantasy. So um, like I said, last year was 71%. And in the eight games where he actually did play 80% CBAs, he averaged 106. So it's not, I mean, it's not um, a stat that, jumps right off the page at you, but it is still... What was he, what's he valued at, at the moment? Is it 90, 98? 98, I think it so, is. Um, so were he to average that 106 with 80% CBAs, there's like upside. eight points of upside, yeah. which is not... You don't turn your nose up at that. So... Um, that would get you pretty close. They're in the mix of so that top 10, top 15 minutes. Yeah, and the thing with Gold Coast as well, when you dig into the numbers, you realise their midfield really doesn't battle that deep. They kind of have like three Very or four, shallow. Yeah, it's like four blokes that kind of lock in there. If you've, you've got... Um, Took obviously, and then you've got Anderson, you've got Rao, and I think there was one more name. Swallow, I think, was Swallow. the other guy who came in there at like a 40, 50% sort yeah. of uh, rate. Mm. So there's, you know, there's pill to be had in yep. their midfield. Um, yep. And if Noah Anderson's getting it, then he could improve on that average. What do you yeah. reckon? Yeah, I think it's a good shout. He's obviously, he's only 21 at the moment, turning 22 this season. So he's very much still on the upward trajectory of his career. Um, yep. He had good junior numbers as well. I know we all fixated on Raul early on in his mm. career as well. Um, so he, he will sort of continue to get better. He has that pedigree. I just, um, something stops me from... From picking a Noah Anderson, and I don't, yeah. I can't really place my finger. Maybe is, is it just, just the, the fact that there is a Took Miller, and then we are all at some point expecting Matty Rao to, you know, start to develop some kind of an outside game, and maybe he gets <laughs> maybe take a mark, maybe take yeah. a mark every you once in a while. Um, yeah, I don't know, and. Obviously, last year, I mean, it, it helps his case. I think you could look at this two different ways. Last year, Gold Coast played much more direct. They weren't shipping it around a bit. But again, yeah. Noah Anderson did manage to improve his average mm. uh, again, even with that change in game style. So if it swings the other way, maybe there's a bit more cheap ball to go around it. I it think, is a tricky one, but I think yeah. that when there are another other few guys around that price that I think are a bit more proven. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. I think makes it a bit that, tough. The thing that stops me picking him is purely there's better options around mm. around there. But not, not one I would dismiss. No. Uh, He's, no, he's, I'm not crossing not. him off by any point um, and I think if someone else were to choose him I think it's a valid selection yeah. um, but I think there are guys that like I said just a bit more proven that I might go to first um, yeah. yeah I think that's a fair take 
Let's yeah. finish it off yeah. uh, maybe with some the of these tankers. ruse boys. Um, yeah. We're going to highlight two guys here. I'm probably more interested in one, um, but we'll highlight both of them. Jai Simkin and Luke Davies Uniac. Is it Uniac or Uniaki? I, I can't. Just, I don't know. Or LDU. Have a guess and give it a go. That's, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> LDU and uh, Jai Simkin. Now, I think uh, before last season, I think we are all pretty on to Jai Simkin. He's shown a good pedigree in the past. I think from memory, he pretty much put up the exact same average last year as the year before. Just double check that. Yeah, literally 95.5 both yeah. of the last two seasons. Yeah. So we were expecting a jump forward last year. Some people were, but we got more of the same. In both instances, LDU and Jai Skimkin, they, they did a lot better post-buy. But it really is LDU that has me very uh, pretty excited. Um, he's priced at 93 824, so he's the cheapest player we're going to talk on today's podcast. Yep. And after the buy, he had a slight uptick in CBAs, went 82% and averaged 106 in this time. So sort of matched that Noah Anderson type. And Was he, that a, with that 106, do you recall whether that was high scores, low scores, or was that pretty... There was some ceiling scores the there. There was a game that he was tagged. Okay. Um, so okay. I think there was, if I just pull up his stats now, yep. um, he was someone that, yeah, I think he was tagged one game. Uh, Simkin got tagged another game. But there was some. I think his ceiling score was uh, okay. one forty five, if memory serves me correctly. Which is not too bad. I, see, I, I didn't do too much digging into the Rue boys. Just cause, maybe it's yeah, a bit biased. Or, let me let me take you through some scores. Actually, I've got. I just don't now. get excited for the Rue boys. No, no, they're hard to get excited. But again, <laughs> new coach. Uh, right, excite, you know, excite me with some stats, Mitch. First game after the bye, I think this was the tag game. It was the 64, but okay. then he goes on a run of 127, 145, 108, Shit. 113. Has another 68 in there. I can't remember if that was a tag as okay. well, but then backs it up three weeks after 111, 129, and 90. So okay. that, well, two, that, that's... two low scores in there, and he still manages to average across those uh, 10 yeah. games. No, that's uh, got me excited. However, 23 uh, years old. 23 years old, which which fits your bill. Um, but let's talk about the report coming out of the ruse that a lot of people have been referencing. Yes. So, so uh, I, this is another wording I want to I want to discuss. Yeah, I think the wording was he's working on his forward craft. Is, <laughs> is that is that the wording? Am I correct I, on that, that? That was the wording. Actually, so yeah. to me, I want to distinguish that from being different to <laughs> training with the forwards and. Like playing more forward time because it's I like think that AFL buzzwords. Do, do you know what I mean? Like craft. sometimes I think that does this is this going to be something that changes his role or is it something that he's going to just simply try and add to his game as the role that he's already been in? Yeah, he he could just become the guy for the ruse that starts in all the CBAs that we want him to and just runs forward. And so yeah. that could be why he's working on his forward craft. So there's probably, yeah, when you get that kind of vague wording mm. on those reports, then it's just like a wait and see. It's, it's not it's not enough Isn't to it? rule him off my list. I'm still no. very much watching him in the preseason. And yeah. I don't know, I know they've got a few young kids, but between Simkin and LDU, these are two midfielders that I think have, like these should be in their target as developing as midfielders for the future. I yep. think that in a good side, these can be two midfielders of a premiership team. Um, like, So I don't think that you're, you're necessarily putting him in a half-forward sort of role um, necessarily. Now, is it enough to maybe take him from, what was that number that I gave you before that he changed? Think, was it? Uh, oh, are you talking about his average CBAs. So 82% oh, CBAs after the buy. Is it enough to change that to 65? What was he? I'm not do sure. Do you know what his CBAs were before the buy? Uh, sorry, I I'm don't really have it in front of me, here. but it was less. Um, I haven't calculated the average. But but if he, yeah, if he's shown that with 80% CBAs that he's going to put up numbers like there's a 140, 130 in there, that's... Very, yeah. very, very choose. He's juicy, got ceiling, and and uh, again, I, I won't pretend like I'm sitting here watching Kangaroos games every week. <laughs> but uh, I don't even think Kangaroos from, fans watch Kangaroos games. From all reports, he's a very he's he's a line breaking sort of type. You yeah. know, a bit more Big of that. Ball. Yeah, a bit more of that dynamic, penetrating player compared to a Simkin, who's a bit more of that accumulator. Yeah. Um, does that open him up to a bit more of those tags compared to a Simkin? Potentially, but then again, who's tagging North Melbourne? Um, you wouldn't waste your time, would you? Clarko, I, I want to talk about Clarko real quick okay. for these boys. Do you think he helps them? Because Clarko was he was there coaching Tom Mitchell when he went big for his years. Um, he typically has had good fantasy scorers in the past. Um, likes a bit of that control footy historically, but maybe he's going to change his tune this year. Yeah, I think I think um, getting in a, a, clo- a coach with the pedigree of Clarko, I think it helps all players because mm. um, 
there's, I reckon there's just a bit of an aura that surrounds coaches like that. I that, think there's that, a bit more confidence in the yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. Players yeah. just think, hey, Clarko's my coach now. Like, he knows yeah. what he's talking about. And suddenly, you just puff the chest out a little bit more when you cross the white line. So, I reckon um, I reckon that probably helps out all the players at the Roos. Uh, I mean, I know we joke about the fact that we're not going to be watching him. But now, with a new coach and a couple of fan- potentially fantasy-relevant players, yeah, I'll be tuning in um, until they prove me wrong. Because so. the thing with the, the Roos boys last year was, like, you couldn't really pick them because they just got, especially early in the season, they got pumped by so much that they just wasn't enough ball to go around. Yes, you know, yeah. even their big dog scorers in Jai Simkin, like, in blowout games, you know, I think there was a game against uh, Brisbane early in the season where they just got pumped by nearly 100 and they just couldn't really get their hands on the footy. So, yep. um, that's always been a deterrent with some of these players, but I, I don't know if that's enough for me anymore to sort of shy away from him. I, um, yeah, I'm pretty keen on LDU. Jai Simkin, I think, is also someone that if their attention got, does go to LDU more so and he does become the tag target and Jai's sort of left... He's more is that rack up. run freely, then he also could be someone that I think, um, you know, expecting the breakout last year, maybe this is the year that he goes up from that 95 to a 105 sort of average. So yeah. it'll be a wait and see. Yeah. What are you, um, again, I know maybe you're not probably maybe as high on these guys, but if you were to put a number on the average of both of these boys, do you think they could get to that 105 plus or even push 110? Or Yeah, I think both of them have shown in patches that they can do that. So if you look at LDU with his 80% CBAs at the end of last year, he's shown he can go over 100 comfortably. And then um, Simkin, was it at the end of 2021 that Simkin... He had a big um, stretch, yeah. Had a stretch and... The last year too, he, he did average 102 after the buys. Um, yeah. That included a tag game where he scored 52, 80% CBAs. So okay, put it this way: it wouldn't shock me either way if they just went back to averaging what they did last year. I wouldn't be shocked if they went and averaged one hundred and five. I also wouldn't be shocked by it. I, I personally think both over a hundred, um, yep. but I think I think LDU has a higher ceiling, and I think that him also being the cheaper of the two players, I think he's a very um, he's a very serious consideration for my team at the moment as uh, maybe that M four M five depending on how you structure your side, but um. Yeah, especially with the ceiling, you know, one forty-five is yeah. shown um, oh. in a poor side. I think that he could uh, he could be a big winner. Be weird to see a couple of Roo boys in the team, but, but good as well. Yeah, yeah, it would. Um, I now think that, uh, that, well, that wraps it up for my list. Do you have someone else you want to throw in? I've there? got one more okay. um, thing to throw at you. It's not necessarily part of my list, but it's just a bit of a, a left field take. All so, right, lay it on me. Yeah, and and just bear with me here. So, <laughs> okay, if Jaden Short plays ah uh, hear yeah. me out so if Jaden Short plays as a defender yep at Richmond all year just answer me yes or no will he be a top 6 defender in the comp uh yes okay yes so there's there's the first part yep. okay so we know at the moment he doesn't have DPP he's a midfielder he's a mid only okay so at the moment he's what i would call well undervalued if he's playing in a defensive Based role. Based on that role, okay. So, is there a world, okay, is there a world, and before you answer, I want to give you some stats as well, but is there a world where you pick Jaden Short at the start of the year as a midfielder, mm-hmm. anticipating that he plays as a defender and averages something like what Doherty does, but the problem is, if you don't pick him as a midfielder to start and you try and you bring him in as... Exactly. Already. So, yeah. hear, hear this. So... Last year, in the first seven games where he played predominantly defend, defense and didn't play, didn't have CBAs, okay, um, he averaged 109 with scores of 131, 125, 127, and 123. Yep. So that to put that in context, that makes him the second best defender, only a point behind Doherty on average. Correct. If he were to go on and average 109 as a defender, yeah. So do you sort of see where I'm going here? It's kind of a weird one. It's yeah. like if you know he's going to be in your team by the end of the year as a defender. And you wait to bring him in, his value is already gotten away from you. Exactly. Yeah. But then is there room to bring him in as a midfielder? It's a weird kind of take, but it it's, is. I just don't know how to think it, about it. it. It's a bit atypical because normally when you, you pose this question, you think, okay, um, they're, they're going to play, they're moving from the midfield to defense. Yeah. Usually you would think that drops their scores. Yeah. Okay. So usually the, the short answer to this one, it's a very quick no. It's yes. like, okay, well, you might as well just wait for six rounds. You're probably going to get them cheaper and just grab when they get DP, if they get DPP. Yeah. In Jaden Short's case, we've seen from last year that he probably scores a bit better in that uh, halfback role. Yeah. To me, you reference a lot of scores there and they're very impressive, but I still think that the sample size is not big enough. Okay for me to just guarantee that, okay, if he's going to play defense, he's a, he's a 108, 110 guy. I think yeah. that there's... He has had seasons before where he, in that defensive role, has been a 93, 94 kind of a guy. And that's it. When you look into his stats historically, I don't actually think there's been a season where 
he's averaged over 100. Definitely no, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong there. So when I looked into that, you go, ooh, hang on a sec. Um, but he has shown just a little taste at the start of last year that if he's getting the kickouts and, and he's playing defense, he can go big. So it will just be really – he's going to be a watch for me definitely this year because it would just be interesting to see where he plays, how the DPP plays out. Um, yeah, that was just like a, a little a little kind of scoop. Not something that I think I'll be going with, but just like I think we've had a couple of questions from uh, from some viewers about Jaden Short and if that was a possibility. I, uh, at the moment, I still say no because yeah. I think that even with Jaden Short and and from a Richmond fan as well point of view, like he he does get moved around a bit. Like yeah. I know he was moved into the midfield last year, but he also at stretches played forward. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't it wasn't like he was just okay midfield lock it in. So. Even with Timmy T coming in, uh, the, the grasshopper coming in as we coined, <laughs> coined him, um, I think that it's, it's not a hundred percent guaranteed that he moves back to that half, half back role. And it's not a hundred percent guaranteed that he's yeah. going to have the monopoly on the, the kicks that he did at the start of the season with the Lawson. I'd Rioli maybe, back there as well. I, I can't remember if Lawson missed time at the start of the year, but he definitely might have. Um, and I think Rioli's obviously stepping yeah. up and getting more comfortable in that role as well. The other thing too that you have to consider is if you want him at the start of the year he takes a midfield spot away from you which That's right. potentially could good. be taken by other value picks we've talked about a few it? guys that I'm pretty keen on this year yeah. so I think just in a pure value sense of the word yeah. I think that I'm more confident with those other guys it will and, be um, it'll be yeah. intriguing we both we both say yes he's probably going to be a top six. we think he might be a top 6 defender at the end of the year it will be intriguing to see how people get him in if that's the case yeah i, I still have him maybe towards that 5 or 6 spot though okay. i don't think i see so who? So um, you got Dog, say if Ray I put Shaw, Short in there, I put him in over Dacos. Dawson. I probably have him thereabouts with Stewart. I reckon is probably okay. how I see him. He's, he's close yep. to that 100 averaging kind of player. Yeah. Um, but I don't see the 110, 108 that he did at the you know those first six or seven rounds because I just think sample size is a bit small for me at the moment, yep. and there's a few variables that. I'm not 100% sold on just yeah, yet. Fair take. I reckon watch this space. Watch this space. So, uh, yeah, and watch uh, watch these spaces here as well. Yeah, obviously, nice on YouTube, make, make sure you guys are subscribed. We've hit 100 subscribers uh, hey, on YouTube. Congrats, so mate. Thank, you, the bat. thank you, everyone else, for who, if you have subscribed. Um, if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that big subscribe button. Next up, we've got the overpriced uh, midfielder options. I reckon there's going to be a couple of big names, a couple of high ownership players in there as well. So, Maybe you might be able to talk you out of them if uh, if you've already got them in your side. And then we're going to be talking about some mid-price options in the midfield later this week. And again, a lot of very relevant players in there. Uh, but otherwise, give this video a big old thumbs up and make sure you look out for all of our stuff on Twitter as well. And until next time, happy uh, team picking. Laters. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.